This is a Think Live Be production. We're recording. <laughs> Dead air. It's a good look for a podcast. I am so tired today. It's a it's a doozy of a day. I feel like I haven't sat down all day. Yeah. Running around. Yeah. I, do you? I took photo. Was that today? No, that, no, was, that was yesterday. yesterday. <laughs> you don't even know what day oh, it is. I edited them today. Live in the real estate life. Hashtag realtor mm, life. No. <laughs> uh, but seriously, some days I do not know what day it is or what day or what time it is. <laughs> uh, well, I can tell you that we're recording this for a little inside baseball right before we... Uh, release it so it's tuesday and monday and tuesday have kicked my ass yeah well i know we usually recorded a, a few days before the actual release to provide more time to i don't even know what we're talking about today. i know but don't lot, worry my voice is gone <laughs> don't worry i do okay i i've got you covered i'm the content person mm-hmm. you're the sound quality sure. uh-huh. i just keep things moving yeah, you, you move things along when I get off track. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, speaking of what we're talking about today, so this is going to be a first, but you are listening to Seeking the Best. This is our podcast where we talk about our personal and professional realtor. Wait, pers- oh no, I already messed it up. Our, we, where we try to overcome our personal and professional hurdles in the real estate industry. I'm Catherine Stelgis. I own a small team here in Orlando, Florida. And have been doing this for 16 years. Plus, 16 plus. I'm going to start saying that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then this is my... Uh, over 16 years. Over I like 16 plus. Okay. <laughs> um, and this, across from me, this guy here, he lives with me. <laughs> he, he lives here in this house and has uh-huh. sound equipment. And uh-huh. so we allow him to record the podcast. Sure. I'll take it. Uh, no, but he is our sound engineer, producer extraordinaire of the podcast, and he and I have been together a long time, so he's got a lot of real estate knowledge through osmosis and a lot of opinions on how I should be doing things. <laughs> how everybody should be doing things. This not is just true. You. Not just me. Yeah, that's true. Uh, so, yeah. So, we- um, My name is Patrick. Oh, Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this, that was a total fail. I was like, I'm going to do this intro first thing mm-hmm. and get it out of the way and do it right. And it totally failed and flopped. No. Uh, as much with <laughs> with everything I do. I'm just kidding. Uh, self-deprecating humor. Mm-hmm. That's my favorite. Mm-hmm. But seriously, we talk about real estate. I love talking about real estate and all of the challenges that we go through in this job and this industry because it's... I feel like it's unique and maybe everybody feels this way. Well, every job is unique. Well, I know, but I feel like this industry is unique. Oh, it is. No, it's, yes, there's all sorts of weirdness. And, and maybe everybody feels that way, but like, I, it's about their jobs or just, or everybody. yeah, their jobs and yeah. industry. Like, everybody thinks that their thing is special or whatever, but, but I, I just feel like, we when we work with clients we really are like their psychologists and therapists and um it's it's a weird it's a weird thing as an agent to deal with clients and then as you start to grow a team and you're a business owner and you're dealing with employees then you have a whole different set of 
um, set of emotions and things. Now that I get managers and bosses all deal with and Mm -hmm. can gain some. um, Well, it's different than like, you know, you get as a, as a doctor or something, it's super personal with your clients. Yeah. Almost to a point where you, that's worse. You know what, but is it? Yes. It's not though. It, it feels is. like it is because it's about private information. Yeah. Delivering bad news, all of the, or good news and all, or you get people who are like really want answers and dig in and why well, I, I read on the internet and all, all the stuff that doctors have to deal with there's that part of it but i guess what my main point was uh it's when it comes to sales right that kind of a thing um and we just relate real estate to a sales job then we're saying it's then it you can really see the difference because you're buying they're buying and selling homes which is the most important biggest investment that these people will ever have first of all sometimes there's all the fear of moving away and all or, or just a, buying a house like all the all of the fear of of taking making that commitment and, and, and everything plus it's not a, a transaction that takes five seconds and then you move on with your day like putting in putting on a roof is a two-day job or or buying a car is a one-day job right those kinds of things it's, 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 this is a long process sometimes can take six months of you dealing with these people when you get into a commitment with them. I don't know if there's any other sales jobs that are like that. I can't think of any where you're with a client for up to six months before the transaction happens. Can you think of one? I can't. Well, no. Um, well, I guess. So that makes it very unique. Um, Yes. And I still, I'm going back, I'm stuck on this doctor thing. I don't feel like any doctor, and maybe this is just some blanket statements that I'm making, but. Sounds like it. Sounds like that's what's coming. I'm going to do it anyways. (laughs) I do not feel like any doctor that I've ever went to um, cared about me individually. Yeah. I think they, they don't remember you. Um, unless you're going in regularly, which most people aren't. Most yeah. people are, you're well, going for an I, annual checkup. Kind of that's kind of what I was getting at. You like if it's a specialist for a special thing and and stuff. But yes, you're right. But that's also because they've learned to callous up, right? As soon as they give any emotion or if, it's like you don't know who that other person is that that your patient is and stuff. You can't you can't do that. You have to stay at arm's length. Whereas with real estate. You're when you're doing sales like this and repeat business and all that. That's the last thing that you're supposed to. They tell you to do and 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 it's actually a problem, right? When you can't keep people at arm's length and you get emotionally involved and all of those things, it's like that. That's what you're not supposed to do. You are supposed to keep them at arm's length. You know, you know it's also this weird dynamic that um, we are in sales, right? So the, and we're making a commission, and I think that sometimes people are skeptical about what we what advice we're giving well yeah because they saw something on yahoo that you make more money if you they buy the house at a higher price well yeah or something and And i think that's that freakonomics mm -hmm. did a whole thing about that and that kind of put bad taste in people's mouths you know they don't understand that you're talking about pennies well and and not just that it's there is just though this weird thing like 
they're not paying, well, in, in the case of a, a buyer, but also a seller. So in, in the case of a buyer, they're not paying you directly. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's kind of a weird thing too. Yeah. That like you're, you're providing a service from them, but, or for them, but they're not actually paying you for it. That's sort of weird. Yeah. And then with sellers, um, they're not actually paying you until it's all done. And I guess that's attorneys work that way a little bit, but, well, but most of them take a retainer. Yeah. But a lot of other sales jobs, you don't pay until the end. Yeah. But it's not as long of a process, right? It's not right. like I'm going to, I'm going to, uh, no, that's true. That's true. Work with you, you know, depending on the market, you could have a listing and be working with someone for six months, mm-hmm. like you said. And, and, um, but you're, and that's the other thing too, like talking with them every week. Let's use the roofer example. The roof, you agree on a price. Mm-hmm. They get up on the roof, they start pulling the roof off, and they go, Oh, there's two roofs underneath this roof. Oh, and all this wood is rotted. Mm-hmm. It's going to actually cost X. Mm-hmm. You've already decided on when you're in real estate, you've decided on what your percentage is that you're going to get paid and what you're going to share with the uh, with the other agent. Mm-hmm. But if it takes six months, it takes six months. You don't get to say, well, this actually took a lot longer, so I'm going to have to charge you a higher percentage. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So it's like you, you're kind of, not, not only do you get paid at the end, but you make an agreement at the beginning of what it's going to cost, and then there's zero negotiation through the process. Like, well, if it's really, really hard... <laughs> There's a, you know, um, I'm going to, it's going to be an extra percent at the end, or if it takes this long, it's going to, you know, now I know that you guys can negotiate. Look, if, if I bring the buyer or if, uh, you know, we go under contract tomorrow, then we can, you know, we'll, we'll lower the percentage, but it's never raise. (laughs) It's never, I get more, get to charge more at the end of the day. Yeah. There's a meme. I was trying to look it up real quick, but I don't think I can find it fast enough, but it's a. It's a meme that says something about don't don't be mad at me that I sold your house um, so quickly. That's exactly what you wanted me to do yeah. or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was some some meme with uh, Leonardo DiCaprio well, from did. oh yeah from that movie. Yeah. Um, well, that that's, there's a bunch of them. I, that's yeah, why I couldn't find I it. <laughs> yeah, I think it's the um. Oh, what was I going to say? That's like what they say about like um firefighters and and whatnot like you you only notice when they're when they do their job poorly mm-hmm. right and it's the same thing it's like i you can't be mad at me because i did what i said i was going to do mm-hmm. right that, like you can't like if i would if this would have taken would did you want it to take four months and be a headache the whole time <laughs> right that's how you feel like all of a sudden that you got what you paid for that's what you're paying me for is to not take three months and for the whole thing to be a headache yeah you don't get to see how smooth everything the reason why it got sold so quickly and everything ran so smooth that's what you're paying for yeah i think so this is um sort of on top we're kind of on topic to what i wanted to talk about but not exactly um actually not at all (laughs) this is why i can't i can't um kind of push the conversation in any direction because I don't know where you're coming from today. <laughs> well, I wanted to talk about communication. So in a sense, we're talking about communication with people, with clients and stuff. But one of the things that I've got going on right now is I'm trying to streamline communication within my team. And so I wanted to talk about that because talk like part of what started this podcast is talking through these things helps us make better decisions. It helps us work through these challenges and come up with ideas. And um, everybody can gain from that, that 
that thought process. Um, any of our listeners is what I mean, mm-hmm. can gain from the thought process that I'm going through. And so I've been thinking about uh, communication a lot because so I always had an executive assistant and it, it, so Kayla was my executive assistant first. Well, I had others before her, but she was my most recent executive assistant. And then we kind of moved her into what we call a DOO and um Stop. She's kind of stands for director of operations. If you don't know the lingo, why are you listening? No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) It stands for director of operations. And that person's job is really more of the day to day operations. And so as you, as you grow a team and you have other people, they have other things to manage and, and run. So part of your, when you had a executive assistant, they would get into your email, get rid of the junk, save the stuff that's important. Everything, anything at all. But when you have somebody, that person leaves and goes to director of operations and they're doing more big picture stuff and, and, and everything, then there's no one there to do the emails. Well, what I, what I found that's what, and when I say emails, that's one of a thousand things. Well, yeah. And that's not even where my head goes, but that all the little things that you need an assistant to do. Can you follow up with this? Can you call this person and set this thing? Can you do this? Can you do this? I felt like I lost that person um, because there were other things that she was doing. And so I moved a different team member into the role of executive assistant because I thought she'd be really good at it. And I, I think she is really good at it. And I'm also realizing that by having somebody who's focus is just EA, executive assistant, um, she can answer the phone almost 99% of the time, which means I'm never answering my own phone anymore. And that is awesome. And well, it's awesome because that's the goal is to have your, anybody who's on the team, whether it's a buyer's agent, executive assistant, uh, Uh, transaction coordinator, it doesn't matter. They're all there for one reason. And it is to build a blockade of and have all the answers needed for anybody on any level that would call or, or, or for any reason need something done or answered so that you have time to do what you need to do, which is hire more people and get listings and stuff. So it doesn't, but when your executive assistant goes and does director of operations. There's an open, there, there's there's an opening in the dam. Yeah, and and all the stuff comes through, and you there's no and you're blocking it and trying to stop it. But in the meantime, you're not getting the listings or doing the hiring that you need to do. Well, yeah, and so this is the important part about growing a team is that. So if you're a single agent and your goal is to always be a single agent, then this podcast episode is not for you. <laughs> if, Maybe you'll get something out of it. I know. I'm just I'm just kidding. Um, communication is still really important. And you maybe it's not uh, a specific. Maybe you hire an assistant. Maybe you have a TC. It doesn't really matter. The point is, is that people, your job changes over time. No matter if you're just a single agent I shouldn't say just, but if you're a single agent or you're a team, your job changes over time. So when I first uh, became an agent, I was running around doing everything, right? And I let other people dictate my schedule and, wait, you want to see a house? Okay, drop everything and go. And I didn't have any systems or tools. I was just kind of running whatever. Whoever needed something, I was doing it. 
filling your day with whatever work was there. And then my job changed uh, as I grew systems and I had tools in place. My job changed to where uh, some some technology could actually handle some of those things for me, right? And then as I grew a team, then other people could handle some of those things. And so you, your job is constantly changing no matter what. And you also might decide you want to take your business in a different direction. Maybe when you first started, you were really buyer heavy and you want to take it more listing focused. So your job activities, where you spend your priorities every day will change. Mm-hmm. And if you're uncomfortable with change, that's going to be hard for you mm-hmm. over that time period. Um, I, I don't, I wouldn't say I'm uncomfortable with change, but what happens is you, you got to come to terms with the fact that it's going to happen all the time. And if you're aware of it, I think you can better prepare for it. So what I mean is, um, every so often, like every probably six months or so, I kind of look at my job, my job duties and say, like, should somebody else be doing some of these? And then this year I set a task on my calendar actually to actually I set it a while ago. So I know it's January now, but it's been been a little while where a task reminder comes up that says, um, did you or what does it say? It says something about um, like mark down all the things that you did that you shouldn't have done. Like so every it's like every two hours or something. So if I was doing things that weren't in my job zone, write it down and make sure that it's whoever is supposed to be doing that, that why weren't they? Is there a reason? Are they not trained? Do they not know that that's their responsibility? Or did I just do it because it seemed easier at the moment than to pass it on to them? And so being aware of it is the first, that's the first key. Mm-hmm. Um. So anyways, this, you know, bringing on the team member as an EA and realizing that for a long time, Kayla had other priorities that answering the phone wasn't always the number one, but my new team member, well, she's not new to the team, but she, her, one of her top priorities is just answering the phone, Mm -hmm. which rings nonstop. And, and how much time Catherine got home from, to do this podcast. (sighs) She, when she pulled into the driveway, she was on the phone. And then before we started, there are two quick phone calls that needed to be made. That's in 50. And I'm assuming it was like that all day. Right. Well, and so imagine if you could have somebody that was just answering the phone and, and, and could actually answer the questions and could handle 99% of those calls mm-hmm. and how that could be a, a game changer mm-hmm. for your business. So even if, again, if you're a single agent, and you're like, well, I don't, you know, I'll, I'll handle my own calls. Oops, sorry. <laughs> I just dropped the dropped microphone. The I'm not holding the microphone. I just was messing with it and messed it up. Um, like having, just having somebody answer the phone that had the ability to answer and direct questions to the right people or get the questions answered. Imagine how much time that would free up in your, in your business, in your life. So, so Julie's answering the phone nonstop. And what I'm realizing is that that's awesome. And we're, what, what she was missing is some training on what to do with those calls. Because here's what happens in real estate. Everybody wants to talk to you, right? Regardless of what the question is, they will call 
you as the agent, even if you have a transaction coordinator, a listing manager, they think it, they can an assistant, faster, right? they think they can. And sometimes they might be right. Mm-hmm. And that was a big re- revelation that I had recently. Sometimes they might be right. And sometimes, and they're not just calling, They're you're not their only, the only agent they've ever worked with. So when all you do is call other agents and 95% of the time, that that agent answers the phone and then they call you and they're like, and the EA answers and says, how can I help you? Yeah. It's like, well, this, this is different. I just want to talk to the agent so I can get the answer. Yeah. Because you're just an EA quotes. Yeah. yeah right. Yeah. And you don't, you don't, you won't be able to help me. But so here's, here's my revelation is that, that sometimes they're right. Mm-hmm. And that's the problem is that the, the people who you hire should be able to answer all the questions because if they can't, then that person is always just going to come back to you. They're never going to call that person again. Well, no, then it's then they're just an answering machine. Right. And that's not the point, right? right. The point to having Julie answer the phone and, and I'm saying Julie, but I'm not saying this is her. This is this is a bigger picture conversation. For everybody on the team. Yeah. And and just in in general, over the last five years, I've heard it and experienced it. And I think I'm just I'm just finally realizing like we've got to fix this. Because when somebody answers the phone and they can't immediately answer the question or get an answer from whoever the you know responsible person is then that person who called will never want to talk to them so they'll call back again the next week and do let's say julie for example answers the phone and says how you know well Catherine's in a meeting how can i help you and they say we'll just have her call me back mm-hmm. and you've trained them that nobody else on the team has an answer has an answer right. and that's not who to call or talk to right and that's how people get frustrated. And so if I want to provide, which I do, an experience, a five-star experience for not just the clients, but the, I want the other agents to feel the experience was great too. Well, and you want, you want, you don't want to have to answer the questions. Well, yeah. <laughs> like it, that's the main point of, of all of it. It's like you have to have people in place that can answer 99%. Otherwise, what's the point of having people there yeah except to just have an answering machine and if that's the case i mean you, well, you might got as that. well it's called voicemail you might as well let it go to voicemail yeah. yeah and so um and it's not for for lack of people not wanting to to help and stuff it's it comes down to if if you if you think about each person in their role and all the things that well you look at all the things you have to know as the agent well, they need to know whatever whatever is in your brain. <laughs> they need to know 99% of that stuff for their for that part of the job. Mm. And so if they don't, then it's a, it's a training question. It's a did they're missing some piece of the puzzle if they can't get that answer to them right away. And so my my goal for 2023 is to make sure that everybody is like, first of all, that they know the answers, but they also are empowered to answer the question and yeah. not say, let me get back to you. Yeah. And I think with that comes, they have to feel confident that they have the right answer. I think where the where people, um, 
when people aren't willing to say an answer, it's because they're not 100% sure they're right. And then if they're if that's the case, then why do they feel that way? It's either that or they feel like they'll get in trouble or there'll be there'll be some sort of something if they say the wrong thing. Yeah. You know. Well, and I so I've got a lot of other thoughts on this, but I was having recently our our transaction coordinator um come up with all of the frequently asked questions that she's gotten. And I was going to do the same. Because most of the time people are asking the same stuff over and over and over again. Mm-hmm. And if they're asking the question, then it probably should be some step in the process. So that's first first and foremost is if we want to be proactive in things, we should be answering these people's questions before it ever comes up. Right. Now you can't fix eight other Again, agents' questions. Yeah, other and, <laughs> and you can't answer and you can't do everything because then it's overwhelming. Then it's like sure, you yeah, know, yeah. And, and it's all in systems and when do you tell these people these the answers to the questions they haven't asked yet. Yeah. And stuff. It's all it's all in the systems and how you um uh convey whatever information needs to be conveyed at what particular time in the process. But so, we, so this, the system that we have currently um, for like, let's say transaction to close, we have lots of templates. So template emails that go out at specific times. So a lot of the information that a buyer or seller would need is in those emails, but we'll still get questions about things like, for example, um, Hey, do I need to patch all the holes in the wall? When I take down my pictures and picture frames and stuff, we get questions like that, which tells me that where is that supposed to go in the process? Because we keep getting that question and nobody should have to ask it. Right. And so this is just a good time to do like a systems audit and check and say. That's not in the. uh, What's it called? (laughs) What's that thing called? My brain's not working. The well, the. Well, I don't know what you're like trying this, to say. Don't we have like a generic staging plan where all that stuff kind of stuff. Oh, that? the staging plan is for listings. You're thinking of the moving out checklist. Yeah. Yes, we have one of those. Well, you're talking about, do I have to fix the holes in the walls? Isn't that in there? Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But they're still calling about it, even though it's Well, in the so checklist. we discovered that that wasn't being used. Oh, I see. <laughs> so another, we just- uh, another piece of... Th- of design work that I've created that didn't get implemented. So we, we discovered that something wasn't being utilized that was built and was supposed to be part of. Now I see why you're being all cagey just a second ago. I didn't want to announce that on the air, but whatever. Um, But the reality is, look, no one is perfect. Like we, we are, but that's the whole thing, right? Your job changes and you have more people and then you need to make sure that they know how to do their job. And then they, and then you have to audit it though, because that's the most important part. Because listen, this goes back to the communication thing. If people are expecting a certain level experience with you and then they're being handed off to somebody else to do part of the process and they don't get the same answers, the same timely responses, the same standards that you set working with them the first time then they didn't get the same experience and they won't want to work with you again. So everybody that you you hire has to understand that exact thought process 
that you're delivering an experience that I've already established with people and what they expect. And this is what it is. And so you have to live up to these these same standards. And then check in on things like if people don't feel like they know all the answers, don't just sit on the sidelines. They need to come forward and say, I don't feel like I know how to handle this. Great. We need training on that. Mm-hmm. Then let's that's let's figure out when we can do that and go through that so that from this point for, from that point forward once you're trained and you know it right that you 100% own that part of the job that's how you know you've got somebody that will um, be successful in their in their role and um, will have an opportunity to to grow into 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 maybe into another role is if you they bring that to you like hey I need help on this. Like, I don't know how to do this. Can you, th- th- I know that this is part of my job. I haven't been trained on this or this isn't, this isn't working for some reason, um, that they can, that they see it and then they bring it up and then that they can, it can be explained to them. They learn it. And then you never ever have to go back and say anything about it again. Yeah. Like, okay, we learned that moving on to the next thing. If you have to tell somebody this is the way that this works. And then six weeks go by and then it starts to get forgotten again. Then we have a problem. Yeah. With the, with the person in the role. Well, yeah. You know? and, but that's, that's the part. But if like, you're not auditing and you're not doing those things, there's no way to tell. Yeah, for sure. And well, I've got a lot of thoughts on that. All right. Well, let's, let's take <laughs> a, let's take a quick break. Okay. And then we'll get into that. Okay. okay. All right. Let's take a break. <laughs> The Think Look B team is an Orlando-based real estate team with Keller Williams Realty at the Parks. We operate as a boutique-style company with the resources of the largest real estate company behind us. Think Look B is looking for talented people like you to join our team. If you happen to live in the Orlando area and you're a detail-oriented quick learner, then we might have a place for you. Whether you're a real estate agent or administrative professional, we are looking for individuals who are ready to work hard and ready for success. If you're ready to join the team, visit us at thinklivebee.com. And we're back. Okay. So on the auditing thing, so that that what I was saying before is the, how do you audit something? So in a system like that, I think auditing, like, like I said, p- put together a list of frequently asked questions, and that usually will tell you what's missing from the system. Mm-hmm. Um, you could do that on both the listing and the buying side and probably come up with exactly what is missing that would save so much time if it was being proactively communicated. Obviously, in order for the the uh, an FAQ to get implemented, you have to be doing a decent amount of business. Well, yeah. If you're, if you're doing eight sales a year, you're going to have a hell of a time trying to figure out what frequently asked questions are. Well. Um, but maybe some basic ones, but um, maybe, you know. You'd yeah. be surprised though, like even in, in eight sales, you still might have worked with 16 people mm. that year and between a husband and a wife or, you know, different people that you're working with, you probably got a few questions that you could then create canned responses and make a system out of it if you don't already have one. Yeah. Um. But yeah, so... Auditing the systems by looking at what did the client have to ask along the way. And then 
when you're auditing the the actual job duties, this is this is what I've been doing. Okay, so I think we've talked about before, and if not, I'll just reiterate. Um, or if we haven't, I will tell you about it. If we have, I'll reiterate it. <laughs> uh, we've got like 300 episodes. I don't know what I've talked about. It's okay. <laughs> um, in, I think it's Keller Inc. Uh, there is a MREA task list for mega agents. I'm pretty sure it's still a free download. If not, um, sorry, you lost out. <laughs> but it's a list of all of the job duties that we have as agents. And then it breaks it down from levels. So level one being you as a single agent, what are your priorities and what are extra things that you do every day? And then at each level, you add an assistant, then you add this, then you add this, and it goes through and it breaks down the job duties. So it's a really good place to start to kind of figure out what should somebody else be doing and what should I not be doing? Right. Because if you you don't have something like that, it's... Boy, it can just be daunting yeah. to say, well, well, okay, I'm going to hire this person. What am I, what are they, what are they going to do? Well, somebody else has figured it's, this out on like to the micro level. Yeah. You know, well, it give you a really strong like foundation. And then, so it, yeah, it gives you every single level and what each person on the team at that level should be doing. That's for like the MREA model, the millionaire real estate agent model. So, what I've always done is kind of break it down exactly the way that that is. And I think for the most part, that's probably the best way to go about it. But so what I've realized is, you know, sometimes people have skills and even yourself, like maybe you're the best person for doing X, Y, Z. Maybe you're the lead agent, but you know what? You're the best with buyers and you actually don't like listings. And so you've hired a listing specialist to take on listings and you do all the buyers then your job duties will look different than the MREA model. But you still should go through and look at those and determine like who should be doing what and then adjust as time goes on and your job changes. So one of the things I did for this year was I created um, a current roster of who we have and then I broke down their priorities for each of those roles and, and mine as well. Because one of the things I felt like communication wise, like what sort of prompted it was, okay, if Julie's answering every phone call, which she is, then she's getting all of these transaction related questions and listing related questions that are better handled by either the transaction coordinator or the listing manager. Not me. They're not negotiation questions. These are like, hey, I need to schedule a showing or, hey, uh, can I schedule this inspection? Those are two different people in our organization. And so understanding that she's not the person to answer those questions. She's just answering the phone call and disseminating the communication. Now, when she does that, that next person needs to be able to 100% handle that situation. Because if they can't, now they called for me, they talked to somebody else and then they talked to somebody else and they didn't get their question answered. Yeah, that would make me so mad. Yeah. No, they need to have their question answered and then some. Mm-hmm. They need to feel like they are so taken care of that they are super happy that they talked to whoever it was because they actually got more information than they ever thought possible. Well, and it be yeah, because then when they have the next question and call back, they're not even going to ask for Catherine. They're going to say, oh, hey, Julie. Yeah. 
let me ask you this. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Now you're out out of now they're not even asking for you anymore. Perfect. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Because then you're hi- out hiring. Bye. One of our listeners. <laughs> well, right. Because if your priorities, if you're growing a team and your priorities change, right? So if your priorities as a, as a single agent are to um, lead generate for buyers, sellers, set appointments, go on appointments, do this, that, and then do all of the, your own paperwork, schedule your own closings, et cetera, et cetera. And then you hire a few people. At some point, your job changes to where your priority is look for listings, look for talent. Look for listings, look for talent. And that's your every day. That's where you should spend 80% of your time. Mm-hmm. And yet you'll end up spending it in so many other areas if you don't make sure that training is on point and communication is on point so that you're not getting reeled into things that should be handled by somebody else who actually has more information about the situation than you do or should. So one of the things, um, so I'm, I'm going back through this with everybody and I wanted to give some examples of like, okay, if you've got, if you're, if you're on your team, um, you're the lead agent and you have a TC and maybe a buyer's agent that how that communication would look like, like what would be your priority and what would be the buyer's agent priorities and what would be the TC's priorities? Are you with me? I'm not saying. Okay. So because it can get uh, convoluted a little bit. Well, yeah. And not just convoluted. There is a time when somebody wants to ask a question where everybody knows the answer. Mm -hmm. When everybody knows the answer, then somebody who's not supposed to answer that question can can answer that question. Mm -hmm. But then the ball gets dropped because... That person answered the question, but they didn't know what the next step was, which is to go into the CRM and put Mark down, oh, this this step is finished mm-hmm. or whatever it is. So it's not just convoluted, but it's like knowing people need to know how to stay in their lane, mm-hmm. I guess, too. Yeah. You know, that that's, that's a huge part of that. And the only way that they know how to stay in their lane is to know exactly what their lane is what their job is yeah and and who you know kind of like what the other person's job is too yeah I think that's the biggest part is you do need to understand and and that's why we're going over this individually and together as a, as a team because you do need to know not just what you're supposed to be doing but what the other person's supposed to be doing and you have to trust that the other person has got it well sure and that's part of the problem too. Hard, hard to be a trapeze act when uh, you know that the other guy is drunk some of the time. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Like I'm not going without a net <laughs> if if I can't trust that other person. Yeah. Well, I know, and and you can't force trust to happen. Like just because yeah, you're earned. just because you're on a team together and you've yeah. all been hired to work in the same place doesn't mean that you trust the other person. It can it, you can it can be it you would initially if it if it's a brand new agent, they are going to assume that they can trust everybody to do their job. The first time that somebody doesn't, now that I don't trust anybody. Yeah. Right. You, it's built in initially. Mm-hmm. I think the trust is. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah, for sure. So like as an example, in in a buyer situation, 
So in a buyer situation, the buyer's agent or you, if you're an agent and you have a TC, even if it's a third party TC, you are the, you're working with the buyer, they're establishing trust and relationship with you. And then you go under contract and you basically have to hand them off. Now you, you should say, um, you know, I'm, I'm still here for you. I'll be stepping in at any negotiation points or anything. I'll check in with you once a week, et cetera, whatever your standards are for communication. And the other person is the transaction coordinator and you're in excellent hands. Yeah. He or she is going to take excellent care of you. And you've got to talk that person up so that they want to work with that person too. Yeah. It kind of reminds me of like when you do like contracting or like a pool or something like that where you sit with with the designer right the architect or the guy doing the drawings the guy the guy designing the pool or whatever and then you get to the next step and they and they always say like okay this is whoever this is your your guy this is the guy who's going to be on site he's going to be the one who does all the thing and you he's a great guy and he's 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 a good guy he's a good guy you know um <laughs> And very experienced and very, you know, and talk them up and everything. And then that designer or that the architect or whatever kind of steps back. Yeah. Right now, that person was your main salesperson and and everything else. And they will be in contact with you throughout the process. But when it comes to laying the foundation or digging the hole or or any of the other things that need to happen, this guy is is your guy. And then later on in the process, another another person is put in place. And you're working with this team of people. Not one person does all of it and stuff, but the handoffs have to be smooth and you have to be trusted. All those people need to be able to do their job because what happens when the second person doesn't do the job? Who do you call? You call the first person, right? And that's what we're trying to avoid is to have anybody have to call the first person who is Catherine or the lead agent. Yeah. You know. Well, so, you know what? I was listening to you talk about that. And can you imagine? So our our pool designer's name is Henry, uh, although we designed the pool. We just gave yeah. him the drawings yeah, and said, here, a, make this. He had a pretty easy job. He's got an easy the, job. Anytime we hire anybody for any of that kind of stuff, they get a pretty easy job. Yeah. We're like, here you go. Des- here's, your, here's your 3D renderings. Well, yeah. We've already done it for you in Photoshop. Um. But yeah, so can you imagine though if if uh, if Henry, you know, kind of set us up with the the project manager, and then we called we called Henry the next week and said, "Hey, so when is the plumbing getting situated?" Like Henry wouldn't know the answer to that, no. right? He's designing he the next to, pool. Yeah, he would have <sighs> to say, "Let me get back to you," and then he'd have to stop what he's doing mm-hmm. and then go and whatever, right? Because we don't know who to call or what to do. Yeah. Right. Well, and so I guess my point in that is that like, let's say a buyer calls a buyer's agent. It's so easy to just answer the question because you maybe you feel like you know the answer. But in doing that, and because I make this mistake all the time too, it feels easier in the moment to say, let me just handle this. I know the answer to this. and And then do it. And then you forget to tell the other person. Yeah. And then they don't know. They're not in the loop. They didn't set up the next step. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it makes and, everyone look bad. And th- th- all of that, which is kind of what I was saying before about like of when everybody knows the answer. Yeah. And stuff. But on top of that, you've trained 
this other agent or the 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 other agent that you're working with not on your team i get it yeah or the client that that's okay well and because what you should say is that is a question for our tc um well i would say transaction coordinator but yeah right (laughs) of course um and let me let me forward that question let me forward that over to her and then she'll call you back or however you want to handle that and stuff so that they learn oh I shouldn't be calling this person I should be calling the TC yes and then so in that situation so the prior so let me give an example um let let me let me come up with one real quick (laughs) okay um buyer wants to get back to the house to um to do measurements don't they always they always want to go back to the house yeah Okay, that's a simple thing to coordinate. Mm-hmm. And it may feel like in the moment, like when the buyer is, you're on the phone with the buyer and they're, they're like, hey, can I go back and see the house tomorrow? And you say, um, sure, yeah, that house was vacant. vacant. Um, yeah, I've got a 3 p.m. available. I can meet you over there. And you do. And then you go to the house, you open the door and the alarm goes off. And why? Because the seller's agent let the transaction coordinator know that the sellers were taking all their stuff out and they it was going to be vacant, but they were going to turn on the alarm for the rest of the listing period and to let her know, let him or her know mm-hmm. whenever somebody was going to be accessing the property. But you didn't know that because it was just an email that you filed because... And it was yesterday. <laughs> and... It's like I know that's sort of a, a silly example, and yet that's well, the kind of stuff. See, like how that, yeah. Now if, add add three buyers agents to the team, and uh, you know what I mean. And 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 now things start to get. Yeah, if you don't put it to the right person, you can actually create a mess, and you also are taking away the ability for that person to actually get better and master their job. That's one of the other things I've learned, and that that's taken. That takes discipline, by the way, especially if you've been in the business a long time. Yeah, you don't want to let that stuff go. Well, because you because you do know all the answers. Yeah, and you do know all the answers, and you're like, this will be faster. I can just do it. Um, all all of that stuff. It's hard. Right? It takes discipline to to say, let me put that through to so-and-so they will get that scheduled for you or they will handle that for you I know she's got information about that let me pass pass your phone number on to that or let me you know put you through you can even just transfer the phone right it has to be that way it really does you've got to make sure that everybody is living in their zone that's the only way that everybody gets to be the best they can be and that was one of the things. So in looking at goals for the new year and looking at goals for last year, I'm like, we are not efficient enough. Mm-hmm. We're not efficient enough. And that is is because of that kind of communication stuff. And again, it's not like I'm not like this is not finger pointing. It's this person's fault or this no. person's fault. It's like, how do we do better? Yeah, it's streamlining. Just keep streamlining and making it tighter and making it smoother over and over and over and over again. Yeah. And 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 you you really, you know, you take that. I always like to think of it as uh, I know this is kind of silly, but it's like when you start that when you start and everybody's hired and you're kind of fumbling through and you're crazy busy because you don't have any help and then you finally get a little help but they need to be trained and it's all that chaos right that's that that's that 
I've been doing drywall lately. And so it's like, it kind of, I know. And, and, but that's kind of like getting that, that drywall mud up on the wall and it's all got a bunch of lines in it and it's all pitted and, and stuff. And so you go over it again and it gets a little bit smoother. Then you go over it again and it gets a little smoother and then you give it a little sand and it, and then you, and it gets a little smoother and then you hang, put, put a light on it and look at it from an angle and you can see now the, and it, you do it over and over again. And it gets, and you, and, and then before you know it, you've got this smooth, perfect wall. And it's like, this is the same thing. It's like, it's like, it's all kind of beat up and, and it's got a bunch of lines in it, a bunch of divots and you go over it and you fix some stuff and then you go over it again and you fix some stuff. You can't just go from a pitted beat up wall to a smooth wall in one step. It's a slow process that you got to do over and over and over again. And then eventually it gets smooth. And then what happens the company grows and the wall gets all pitted again. You got to move it all, everything around, but it's like, it, and, and start over basically. And you got to smooth it again, but that's, that's the process. That's building a bigger, a bigger company, building a bigger house. Right. Well, so what I'll, I'll just be real with everybody that I've definitely had moments in my career, different, different stages, different times, but even in recent years where it's like, I want to just burn it all down and start over. Mm-hmm. And it feels, because it feels frustrating. Like you're like, oh, I feel like I'm banging my head against a wall sometimes. Like I can't get through that next ceiling or whatever that goal is that you're reaching for. And, you know, then then one day like, and and sometimes it can be monotonous too. Like the, you can feel like, um, well, this is a whole nother episode of my, my feelings. Uh, I need a therapy session. Um, but you can feel like, it's it starts to get boring and you have to look for ways to reinvigorate your business and your career and so i don't know for yeah, my if you're just, if it's getting boring it means you're just going through the motions and not try, not growing yeah and so uh, i i've said that before of like if i could just like just start over completely a blank blank slate but that would be stupid right that would be stupid when you have uh good people and you've got You've got things in place. It would be stupid to start over you, from scratch. Because you'd start over. Let's just say that that was the case. You'd start over from scratch, and there'd be a whole host of other problems that were just as big and just oh, yeah. as messy and just as whatever else. Except you'd be starting over. It'd be horrible. Yeah, but one of the things but I, I understand that feeling. Like, that feeling, that's yeah. That, that's the throw the painting out and start over versus mm-hmm. just take a break, stand back, look at it for a while, and then make your changes. Yeah. Well, and so what I what I've realized recently is I, I can start over without actually wiping the slate clean. Right. You c- get to choose every single day you wake up and what business, what right? you what you prioritize. And so when you're making your job duties list, you get to put the little P wherever you want it and and do the things that you want to do to make your business better and delegate the other things, make sure people are trained on how to do it properly, tell them what they're supposed to do and how they'll be held accountable, and then check in regularly and make sure that it's done to your standard. And if it's not, then move on to somebody else. But those are the things where it takes time and you just have to remember that this is, it's, what else are we doing this for if not to make it better? Mm-hmm. And to look for new ways to improve. Mean, Otherwise, it is just going through the motions. Like, Yeah. You mean seeking your best? Oh, seeking your best. I didn't mean to do that, but yeah. <laughs> so I don't know. I'm all about right now streamlining communication and really making sure that we're we're tight 
Like everybody is every day. People are doing what they're supposed to be doing and nobody is trying to overlap um, and, and step on it, That's not the right way to put it, but like stay in your lane. Mm-hmm. They have and, to, you, what you're trying to do is, you know how when you get on one of those old roads, like in the backwoods of Florida uh-huh. and stuff, that there's it's just you and then a bunch of semis come in in the other direction yeah. and stuff. One of those roads, yeah. And it's like, well, how scary are those those roads? Because there's no there's no edges to them. They just drift off into the medians mm-hmm. on both sides. There's no hard white lines. There's no line down the middle with the with the reflectors in it mm-hmm. right and it makes it bigger it makes it scarier and 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 um stressful but when you get on the road and it's got those nice white lines on both sides and you can see right down the middle and where you're supposed to be it's it, it makes it, it makes it an easier drive so it's applying that to this it's the same thing it's like when people know what they're supposed to be doing and even better, they know what the other person is supposed to be doing. There's no overlap. And when there's no overlap, you're not, as the as the team owner, paying two people to do one thing. Yeah. And, and if you take that little bit out of everybody's day, all day long, every week, every month, every year, that's thousands of hours mm-hmm. that people are wasting yeah. by doing other people's jobs so let me say something okay i love my little team but i have definitely walked into the room and four people are talking about the same exact thing and i don't mean some like they're just having a fun conversation although that's a whole nother thing (laughs) i'm just kidding um i mean they're talking about how to resolve something or schedule something and four people are talking about the the same thing right and 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 don't misunderstand it's not that you can't mastermind or brainstorm with other people. It's it's like yeah, but that needs to be on the schedule. <laughs> well, it's like I've definitely walked into rooms again. Love love everybody, but I've definitely walked into the room where it is something that does not require four people, and that's called inefficiency. And what that leads to over time is you, you don't hit the goals and people's experiences as for the clients like didn't happen the way that it was supposed to because people were so wrapped up in getting this one thing done that they didn't do the things that they were supposed to do that day. And, and then we, we make excuses for ourselves and say, well, I'll do better next week. And it's like, well, if we all just master our jobs then we don't have to do that. We don't have to make excuses and say, well, I'll get that done next week or I'll do better on that. And it's not, I don't know, I'm saying I sound like a terrible boss right now. <laughs> get back to work. Get back to work. That's not what I mean. Um, I, I just think that if you're running a business and as a single agent, you still are. You just are also your own employee doing all of the job duties of, of many people for your own business, but you're running a business and there are standards and things have to get done and things should be, you should look to improve your efficiency and effectiveness every year. And, And the only way you can do that is to kind of look at everybody you have every year and make sure that they understand what their priorities are for themselves and what everybody else's are. So they know what everybody else is supposed to be working on and that everybody is just super crystal clear. I think that's the biggest part. Yeah. I had well, um, especially when if you can get the team to kind of be that that that's a main focus 
that's a big focus for everybody and it becomes part of the culture. Yeah. Um, when new people come aboard, it will be, it, this will get easier because yeah. it's, because then they will know what their jobs are and everybody will know. And when, when, when the new people will come in, let's say a brand new buyer's agent, right? They've got right, right there. They came right from, from uh, taking the, passing their exam. Well, when you've got a TC and an executive assistant and a marketing person and other buyers agents and, and all the, the team and the ISA and all of those things and the, everybody knows what their job is and that new buyers agent comes in, they're going to learn their job really, really quick because their five things that they need to do are everybody else is doing all the rest of it. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And it's very obvious and specific and that that culture will just grow It'll be, it'll be because it's easy. Mm -hmm. It's easy that way. There's no, because nobody know is walking around going, who's supposed to do this? Well, I had somebody say to me recently and it kind of struck me and lit a fire. I think that, um, that they felt like they had clear expectations and, I was like, oh, darn, did they not before? Right. <laughs> like, that's disappointing to hear. But at the same time, it it kind of lit a fire to me to say, you got to do better on making sure that everybody knows exactly what is needed from them, what's needed from them, what's expected, what for, for me, for the business, for clients, for everything. Mm-hmm. Because can you imagine, like, you wouldn't want to go to work and not know what you're supposed to be doing. They're just flailing around like yeah. nobody wants to do that. Well, yeah. some people probably don't care, but like good, talented people want clear direction. Yeah. If they don't have clear direction, how do they know if they're successful in what they're doing? So it was disappointing to hear, but it also was like, okay, yeah. I got it. Yeah, I know what's needed, and here's here's the path. You know, so yeah, good. Clear communication leads to I don't know. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, the question you are about to hear is true. Only the names have been changed to protect the innocent. Questions from the web. Question from the web. How long on average does it take to write a good description for a listing? Any advice on how to get started? Mm, Good question. I love questions from the web. Um, okay. How long does it generally take? Well, I'll say for me right now, maybe 15, 20 minutes, um, before, like as a newer agent, much longer, (laughs) probably an hour Mm -hmm. when I was first starting. Mm -hmm. And here's two things. I've got two thoughts on this. Number one, it shouldn't take an hour, but when you don't know what you're doing and you don't have a template to work off of it, you certainly can spend an hour or longer trying to draft something. But so here's my best advice. Well, here's what I do now. And then I'll give you my best advice. What I do now is I go look for the most similar listing that I've sold recently to the listing that I'm taking. Right. So if I'm listing a property today, I had to have sold a house that was somewhat similar in the last year or two. I'll go find that listing description and then I use that as a base. That's my template to work off of. And then I just fill in the details from this listing. So what I mean is if, I, if I'm selling a 4-2 ranch house built in the 1950s. 
Chances I'm gonna, are you've, you've in been a in moderately priced yeah. neighborhood. I'm going to go find a ranch house that I sold that's in a moderately priced neighborhood. Now, if you're new, though, you don't have that listing to go find. So go find somebody else's and read it. See what information they put in their listing. I would recommend reading 10 different descriptions for similar houses before you draft yours, though, because you can go grab one and it might not be a good one. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you can grab one, certainly that's like three lines. Uh, you want to paint a picture of what the experience is walking up and into the house while also giving them pertinent details that may add value to the house, like new AC, new roof, but, but while painting the picture of curb appeal and a beautiful shady oak tree in the front yard. Do and- you do the thing I've seen, I've read them before. I like to read the listing descriptions, especially like when we're looking at houses in other parts of the country and stuff, mm-hmm. um, where they try to do this, um, as you walk in through the, yeah, the, yeah, yeah. the lit, like, like where, like you're basically describing a walkthrough. Yeah. Well, is that how you do it? Well, yeah, to some degree. Yeah. So like I actually wrote one today, so that's the one I'm thinking of. So it was like, uh, as you arrive, you'll immediately notice the curb appeal and the, I think I said the, the large shady oak tree gracing the front yard or something like that. Right. Is it a little, uh, flourishy? A mm-hmm. little bit, mm-hmm. but you want people to. Read it. You're trying be, to paint a picture. You're trying to paint a picture. Um, some people will read the description. Some people will not. Some people will just look at photos. Yeah. The description is the last thing they're going to read. Right. Yeah. Or the last thing they're going to look at. The first thing they're going to look at is the price. Yeah. Or maybe the, not even that. Maybe the first thing that, well, the, is, is the uh, front photo. They're going to see the front photo. That's the first thing. And then they're going to, if they like the front photo, which is why that's so important, uh, then right. they're going to look at the other photos. They're going to look at the price. And then they're going to skim to the bottom of the description and go, what's new on this house? And then they're going to read the description. Well, and so that's why too. So, okay, that's most people. But there are people who will read the description first. Mm-hmm. Um, and once they look who through some those photo, psychopaths? Once they look through some photos. Everybody looks through the photos first. But there are people who will always read the description. And you are one of them, sir. <laughs> yeah, I am. And, and, uh, you get information. Of course. But- They'll read the whole description. And so you do, you want to paint the picture of what the experience is like walking through the house and almost like giving them directions. Like as you walk inside, you're walking into a grand living room Mm -hmm. with natural light flooding in all the windows. Uh, The split floor plan offers three bedrooms on one side of the house and a master suite on the other, blah, blah, blah. Because that is true. We will look at photos and then be like, oh no, this can't be the... Living master. Yeah, you don't this know can't what it the, is. This can't be the living room because the living room says it's got floor to ceiling windows. Yeah, or in it, or what, whatever. It says that the bedrooms are off onto the left, and there's no hallway off to the left. So this must be the other room or whatever. It's like that. I have done that before. Yeah. Trying well, to take, and then take the description and use the photos at the same time to see. That's usually when I'm interest, really interested. And then, like you said, they're looking. F- people are looking for what's new. Mm-hmm. So if if there are new systems, roof, HVAC, uh, plumbing, electrical, uh, pool renovations, those kinds of things definitely need to be peppered in. Mm-hmm. And I like to, um, it, let's say there's a new roof in 2022. I'll, I'll capitalize new roof 2022. Right, so it pops. So it pops bit, out. Yeah. Yeah. And then um, renovations and then describing the renovations. Um, I've read articles about the more, um, okay, the more you use specific words 
instead of like beautiful. Um, you mean words that don't mean anything? Yeah, like like subjective words. Um, yeah, I guess that's a good way to put it. Beautiful means and and don't get me different wrong. Different things to different people. I've used beautiful or gorgeous before. Don't get me wrong. Mm-hmm. If it feel like it feels right, if then it use is, it. <laughs> right. It, it, yeah. It, yeah. 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 But you're better off using more descriptive things or like if there's specific brands. Mm-hmm. So that will actually, um, I don't want to say add value. That's not right. But like. Homes will sell for a higher dollar amount if the description included words like, you know, light fixtures from restoration hardware, uh, KitchenAid appliances, wolf range, those kinds of things Mm -hmm. versus, um, beautiful kitchen, beautiful kitchen with stainless appliances. Now, sometimes stainless is the best way to describe it. Mm -hmm. Am I going to describe the crappy off-brand fridge as anything other than stainless steel? No. But it's better than just saying uh, beautiful kitchen. Yeah. But yeah, if well, you think, can, then you take if, it to the next level. If, you, if you're if you using descriptors that could mean different things to different people, think of a different way to describe it. Oh, other things like um, if you were describing a renovated kitchen, think about what are the type of what are the type of cabinets, right? Are they maple? Um, and shake. even if they're painted in their wood cabinets, ask the seller, what type of cabinets are these? Oh, you're talking and descriptors style, style shake or uh, mission style cabinetry, mm-hmm. recessed panel 42 doors, inch. 42 inch. Yes. These kinds of descriptors that say this is an upgraded mm-hmm. level of kitchen. kitchen. Exactly. You, you got to get, get specific. Don't get into the, like I said, Beautiful to you it means something totally different than beautiful to me. So don't use the word beautiful because that means nothing. Yeah. At the but forty two inch upper cabinets with with uh, wavy glass, uh, yeah. you know, wavy glass windows in them that mm-hmm. means the same to you as it does to me. Yeah. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yep. 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 Small win. Catherine, you got a small win this week. Well, it was nice. Your sister came to town for a day and we went out to eat dinner. Oh, yeah, I forgot about that. <laughs> it only happened. Yeah, we went day. out to we went out to dinner. We, we went never out to do di- that. We went out to dinner on a Saturday night. We haven't done that in I don't know when. I don't think we've ever done that. Well, on at a, some point in our sat- lives. On a Saturday? Maybe mm, we've gone out to dinner on a Saturday night because we were going somewhere else and we had to stop and get something. Mm-hmm. But have you and I like when was the last time you can remember that you and I went I don't remember out <laughs> on a Saturday and what we learned is that if you live in Orlando and you're going out on a Saturday, have reservations, have reservations because it, it is, was, it was dicey. We, go, we went to quite a few restaurants before we finally got into a place. Yeah. One place had an hour and a half long wait. It yeah. was crazy. And then one place they were like, they were like, oh, we cannot take you. Yeah, we're, they were, we're booked. You don't have a reservation. You can't get in. Yeah. This, these aren't, um, <laughs> I was wearing a t-shirt and baseball, and a baseball cap. cap yeah. So we weren't going to, um. You know, some four star Michelin restaurant. But we did. We ended up finding a place that we got a table at and um, had a delicious meal. And it was nice. It was kind of nice. Yeah. So that's my small win. That's a good one. That's Mm -hmm. a good one. My small win is we've got the rental house painted Mm -hmm. and it looks just like my mock ups. Yep. So um, that's really nice when it went from being this gross algae covered 
<laughs> paint peeling kind of gross eyesore and now it's all crisp and clean and repainted and it looks great and I'm very happy. I can't wait to see it. I know. Oh, yeah, um, you have a, well, I kind of saw it halfway saw through, it, but, yeah, but not the whole thing. So. I'm excited. Yeah, it's very, very cool. Hey guys, remember to rate and review us on iTunes. It really helps new listeners to find us. Send us your questions from the web to onseekingthebest at gmail.com. All info is in the show notes, including how to send us a voicemail. And for Kat, Kayla, and myself, thanks for listening, and we'll figure this all out next week. Bye. Adios. This has been a Think Live Be production.